Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, doctor of physical therapy, medical analyst at fantasypoints.com. Thanks for tuning in, and hey, you listening, mowing your lawn if you're a dad, cut those corners nice, on a run if you're a fitness head, you're in the gym if you're lifting weights, hopefully you're uh, uh, in a gym on your own and socially, physically distancing properly. If you're in your car driving to work, thank you, and I mean that. Genuinely. Um, Last month we crossed, I crossed 10,000 listens, downloads, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's far beyond the expect, it's exceeded the expectations I had. So when I say that I appreciate you guys listening and supporting and and the whole deal, um, I really do. I mean it. Um, I mean it. So keep listening, keep subscribing, keep promoting for me. Um, because ultimately the goal is to push injury analysis beyond video analysis and using advanced metrics, and it takes all of us. So let's go together. And as a celebration of you guys being as awesome as you are, I want you to tag me on Twitter, at FBInjuryDoc, um, with your best dad joke, because engagement, hashtag engagement, and hashtag I really do get a kick at how clever some of you guys are, guys and girls. So, um Everybody likes a good dad joke. Everybody loves a good dad joke. So hit me up with your dad jokes at FB Injury Doc. I'll retweet them if they're really funny. Um, maybe I'll, I'll read them on the show if you are extremely funny. So let's get into it. Okay, so I don't want to start a beef with Chris Harris. That's not at all what I'm doing. Um, but I do just want to come out in the open and say I'm, I'm discussing this because of some of the, the comments that he made about injury experts. He used the phrase injury experts, which I don't mind. No big deal. Again, I'm not beefing with Chris Harris. I think I agree with... Uh, some of the points that he was making. So I don't want to say that I'm beefing with him, okay? I want to come out right in, right in the beginning and say that. But I did get pointed out to on Twitter that he said that, you know, we're all reading the same headlines when it comes to injuries. We all know uh, we're all getting the same information. And so in injury, there's no such thing as a, quote, injury expert. So I, I think it's really just the vocabulary that we're using. The reason that I think it's important to distinguish between what Chris maybe is saying uh, versus what is actually useful and beneficial is just the language, right? Like I don't ever go around telling patients I'm an injury expert. That's not what I say. Um, if patients ask me what a physical therapist does, if you were asked me what a physical therapist does, I would say I went to school to learn how to use exercise, your own body, hands-on and hands-off treatments without the use of pills, injections, uh, surgeries, etc., to make you feel better, get you out of pain, get you back to doing what you want to do in your life. That's just called a physical therapist. That's what I do first. That's my job. That's that's what my calling, that's what my, my vocation is. That's what I do every day, you know, 40 hours a week. Um, secondarily, I do this. I hang out with you guys and girls. I talk on podcasts. Uh, I discuss statistics and medicine and everything that goes in between and, and sports medicine and how NFL players are impacted by certain injuries. There's a ton of science that goes into it. There's data. There's analytics, biomechanics. Um, a lot there are there are big arguments and big pushes being made recently in, in the research about pain for the general public and how the brain affects pain and a lot of different pathways etc you could get into the weeds about it basically there's a lot of psychosocial psychological and so- sociological uh, aspects to pain that affect pain and that's true and we've sort of moved away from the biomechanical model like oh i hammered my finger now my finger hurts we know that it's a lot more complicated for a lot of people for a lot more people uh, than that but for nfl players and for athletes it's not a lot of times it's biomechanics you look at a player you know the injury you know the tissue healing rates there's data uh, that shows ligaments heal in x amount of time 
um, tissues heal in this amount of time. There's definitely science behind it. We know the three phases of healing, uh, inflammation, proliferation, and maturation. So those are the three phases of healing. There's a lot more minutia and detail that goes into it. But when, for example, when you see a person, and this sort of moves on to Chris's next point I think he was trying to make, is that we all read the same headlines, right? Uh, when you see a headline, you say, oh, Christian McCaffrey out four to six weeks with high ankle sprain. The, the reason that we know that it's going to be about four to six weeks or the reason that headline exists is because of the science and the background of the medical professionals who treat these injuries every day. Uh, the researchers and the clinicians are the people who have established those guidelines. Now, it just so happens to be that for NFL players, the actual average is about uh, 15 days, two to three games that they missed. But that's not the point. The point is that there's definitely some some bit of uh, expertise that goes into this, but there's science backing it. So to say that it's not useful or beneficial to have a quote-unquote injury expert, I, I, I agree. I mean, anybody can tout themselves as an injury expert, quote-unquote expert, whatever that means. I mean, you can tear an ACL. I've known patients that know quite a bit of information that I wouldn't expect them to know because they've had, you know, two ACLs, three ACL tears. But when it comes to being a medical professional, there's a big difference, right? I'm a medical professional first. I'm a quote-unquote injury expert second. So I just wanted to clarify that. I definitely think there are there are a ton of examples, and at the at the expense of of like making it seem like I'm flexing here, um, there are a ton of ton of players ex- examples just in the last year where I've seen not just me but other uh, injury injury docs, uh, fantasy football docs talk about players, and they've been like, hey, maybe stay away, or hey, don't worry about this player, or, hey, this was a fluke, and they've been right. By and large, it's been consensus, like yeah, no big deal. Um, so. There are definitely, especially if you're in, in the sharp groups, if you run with sharp groups, and if you listen to this podcast, you're, you run with sharp groups, you're looking for an edge anywhere you can find it. And especially if you're looking for that last 5% of an edge, injury expertise, aka doctors, medical professionals, they can get you there. I definitely think there's some advantage to uh, knowing what something might be based off of clinical pattern recognition, you know, foosh, fall on outstretch hand, uh, fall on outstretch shoulder. Those are all patterns that, you know, a dinner fork deformity, that's a wrist fracture that happens when you fall on an outstretched hand, potentially. Last year, you saw that with David Njoku. We called that pretty early. There are some advantages to knowing these things before teams come out and say it. So again, I'm not trying to quote unquote beef with Chris Harris. I I have no problem with Chris. I don't know Chris uh, at all. So I did, though, just want to clarify that I think it's important to understand that injury experts are just... They just happen to be, we just happen to be injury experts. So we are medical professionals that happen to be injury experts in this fantasy football field. Okay, enough of that. So let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Um, I want to keep it sort of brief here, but the thing about Josh Jacobs is that he hasn't practiced Wednesday um, and he didn't practice on Thursday. Um, so now we're heading into Friday. You're listening to this on a Friday and he still hasn't practiced. He was being worked on. It looked like they were trying to rub his quad out. I don't really know what was going on. Here's what we know. He's on the injury report with the hip. Uh, Last year, a player named Odell Beckham Jr. was on the injury report with the hip issue. Eventually, it moved over uh, after week three or after the bye or something. They changed it to groin. You see this with players that they go from having a hip injury to having a groin injury. And that's because the hip and the groin are obviously interconnected. And a lot of times uh, teams either won't clarify, like, where's your pain? And they just sort of point or they do finally get into the training room and they're able to give an official diagnosis of this is a groin strain. But moral story here, could it be his hip? Yes. Could he have some sort of just like nicked up? Could he have a bruise? I mean, it could be a lot of different things that are actually related to his hip. 
But a lot of times, like for example, a hip flexor strain is awfully, awfully, awfully close to just being a groin strain, which is athletic pubalgia, which is sports hernia, which is core muscle injury, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so moral of the story here is that because Josh Jacobs, before he came in, um, uh, prior to the combine, he had a groin issue and it was officially listed as a groin strain. I'm curious if this is coming back up to bite him because we know that these injuries do recur. The groin strains do. That's why I'm a little worried about David Montgomery moving forward in 2020. But for example, um, you know, Odell Beckham, he's he's just the perfect example to use here. He was actually injured with a groin strain early, uh, while he was still at LSU. And that was obviously that ended in surgery. You know, it was years later, but it was, you know, ended, it ended in surgery. And I'm wondering if I'm not, I'm, I'm just wondering out loud if this issue, this injury that Josh Jacobs has to his hip that's listed as a hip is actually a groin strain. If it is, you're looking at a David Montgomery type rehab at best case, like David Montgomery's rehab was literally best case scenario. He came back, I think it was like three weeks um, and he's doing fine now. Uh, so he hasn't practiced yet. It is a little concerning. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if he practices today on Friday. Um, and if he doesn't, then yeah, we definitely start hitting the panic button. And hopefully you got your Jalen Richard. Is he, does he even still play for the Raiders? Uh, your Jalen Richard shares. So that's what I think is going on with Josh Jacobs. Julio Jones, the Julio Jones, the dude who has performed through the injury report year after year, week after week for, gosh, close to like a decade. I don't know. Honestly, he's 31 years old, um, at least since he got at, came out of uh, Alabama. How old was he when he got out of Alabama? Maybe he was older. Moral of the story, dude has had turf toe. Dude, dude has had ankle issues. Dude has had hamstring strains. I think he's had a groin strain. I mean, he's had. He's just had issues throughout his career and he comes out he performs he dazzles he looks incredible i mean julio jones is one of those dudes that just legitimately i did so i've done this for a little over a year now last year i learned very quickly you can pretty much ignore anytime julio jones is on the injury report i mean most times and if he's not going to play you can sort of tell that he's not going to play early on like last year before the thanksgiving game it was his he i don't think he practiced leading up to the thanksgiving game it was pretty apparent he wasn't going to play this is i'm sort of getting thanksgiving 2019 vibes from julio now that he hasn't practiced wednesday and thursday and he he on his own he said that the hamstring isn't letting him run the way that he wants to he's 31 years old risk factors for hamstring injuries are age and tightness and stiffness those are the two primary and previous previous injury so at the very least He's got tightness because he's 31. This is obviously NFL standards, um, and he's older. Um, so what those two things feeding to each other, the older you are, the, the more stiff you get to get. And of course, this is all relative on a relative scale. Julio Jones isn't, you know, he's still an ultra mega athlete, like probably top whatever, two or 3% of an athlete in, in the entire United States. So that's obviously relative. But when you have an, a hamstring issue like he does, it's something to turn your head at. So I'm not convinced that he plays. He's obviously a guy that, uh, if he he doesn't have to practice to play, but the fact that he hasn't even been out in, as a limited participant in practice yet has me worried that he's not going to play on Sunday. Either way, his volatility—if he's active on Sunday—his volatility is through the roof. Um, I know that offense is hard to stay away from. I know that it's Julio Jones, but if I'm cash games, if I'm doing playing some cash games, DFS cash games, or I'm trying to bet uh, the over/under on on yards or something on Julio, I'm a little more nervous than I would be because of re-injury and because he could just be out there as a decoy if he's active. It, you just don't know. And that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying Julio Jones is a bad option. I'm saying Julio Jones is a volatile option. That's why I use that word so frequently. 
so there are so many other pieces of that offense you could use. Uh, Matt Ryan, you can stack Matt Ryan with Russell Gage. Calvin Ridley is obviously having its Calvin Ridley season. Uh, Hayden Hurst. I mean, there are other pieces that I might prefer, even if Julio's active, but I get it. It's Julio Jones. If you want to play him, that's up to you. Just assess your assess your risk tolerance. Next dude we want to talk about here is George Kittle. So it finally came out through ESPN that George Kittle has an MCL sprain and he has a bone bruise. Before we even get into the anatomical pathophysiology of how that works and the fact that he's had this injury before, a hyperextension, knee hyperextension, let's talk about how painful those two injuries are on their own. Um, I usually don't do this because I think that uh, case studies are obvious, and I don't think I know. Case studies are the weakest example of evidence, but I think it's important in this in this uh, context to show how painful patients report MCL sprains are, and they're extremely, extremely, extremely painful. They have a good blood supply. They have great blood supply. That's why they so rarely need surgery. They usually can heal on their own. Uh, what comes with that is probably greater nerve endings, um, more nerve endings, uh, a little bit more input from the brain. Uh, There's just a lot of things that come with that. And so when you disrupt those microfibers, you're definitely going to have more pain. An MCL injury, and now I'll get to the personal anecdote, is painful. I woke up after a high school football game when I was 16 years old, and I was literally in tears. I was in tears after I got, uh, I had a, looking back at it, Um, It was probably like a grade two MCL sprain and it was brutal. I was out for two or three weeks and it was insane. It hurt so bad. I woke up and I was literally in tears. I asked my mom to bring an ace bandage and, and, uh, and ice. I remember I was almost late to school that day. It was so painful because it was the JV game, um, that I played in and I had still had to go to school the next day because it wasn't Friday. It was brutal. So that's brutal. Next, think about this. You have a bruise on the top of your skin right? And it's a little discolored, it's a little purple, whatever. And you hit it and you're like, ow, you know, you run into the door, you accidentally poke it. It's painful, right? All right. Well, imagine that bruise and it's pain, painful sensation extend all the way down into your bone. That's painful. So moral of the story here, George Kittle's got two extremely painful injuries. The average return to sport time just for the MCL sprain is 23 days. If it's a grade two, the 49ers have not been, had good injury luck at all. They're basically trotting out a JV and considering the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has this high ankle sprain and considering the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, and let me look it up right now because I want to see if he even practiced today because he didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, But considering the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't participate on Thursday, it just makes me, even though Kittle came back and was limited uh, this week, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm just curious to see if Kittle will play. Obviously, he'll be pushing for it, um, but I think there's a real conversation to be had about uh, that Shanahan could have with him saying, hey, man, I'm going to need you to tone it down. We don't need to win this game. Um, They have strong beliefs that the turf is the reason that they're hurt. There's not a lot of evidence to support them, but that's their belief, so that's what matters. The team believes that, so that's what matters. The team believes that the turf has something to do with all their injuries, Um, and so that's where they're going to go. That, that so I that I just I, it's hard to imagine a scenario where it makes sense for George Kittle to play, but I've been wrong in the past, and of course this is going to be the thing that I like double down on, and then he's going to be active like by the time that this podcast is released. So those those are my thoughts on George Kittle. 
Last few guys here I just want to touch on real quick. Devontae Adams. Not looking good for him either. Um, Devontae Adams has a hamstring issue. He was limited on Thursday, um, which is good. Oh, no, he wasn't. I'm looking at the wrong guy. Um, Devontae Adams. He didn't practice on Thursday. Not looking good. Not looking good for him. Not looking good for Julio. So that's just somebody that you really want to be aware of because you're going to have to take him out of your lineups. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't practice. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not concerned. Uh, it's sort of interesting. We will have to see. wait and see what happens this week. But what that means is, and this is a very tangible portion, a very actionable portion of, of injury analysis is, I mean, if you think about it on a deeper level, this matters that he hasn't practiced Wednesday and Thursday. They're, they're hard practices. And Deontay Johnson is leading the team in targets already. So he hasn't been in the game plan. He hasn't actively participated in the game plan. Does that mean that he can't go off? Juju can't go off? No, no, that's not what that means. It just means he hasn't been an active participant. He isn't in the first. I think every coach has like their first 20 plays scripted out or something. Uh, He's not in that game plan actively. So if anything, this just might be sort of a boost for Deontay Johnson, even if Juju does play. Uh, But there's still, Juju still has a chance to come out and play. AJ Brown, also not looking good. Uh, he has a bone, bone bruise. Remember that I told you bone bruises are extremely painful, and he did not practice on Thursday. Not looking good for him either, uh, but I think Galladay is close. I wouldn't be overly ecstatic to see Galladay play this week, especially since he's still limited today on Thursday, uh, but he might still play, and now my dogs are barking in the background. That's probably a cue for me to end it. So thanks again for tuning in. Let me know if you have any questions. Follow me on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Go see my injury report. That'll be updated today after practice reports come out uh, Friday at FantasyPoints.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Send me your dad jokes. Don't forget.